the one thing you can control in life is your effort. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I do encourage you to go check out the Instagram page as well, uh, putting up injury updates there, going through every uh, NBA team in the countdown to the season and uh, putting a post up about their best player, player comparison polls, lots of great stuff in the stories and in the regular Instagram feed over there as well. And everyone who does watch this on YouTube, thank you because I have just recently passed 10,000 subscribers. The numbers are, are ticking over at a huge rate. So if you're new to the channel, Welcome also, and if you are watching on YouTube, head across to the, uh, if you see the comments section of this video, you'll see a link to join a Red Rock Challenge League, a head-to-head, nine-category slow draft league. I've put up all the links to all the others on Twitter. I decided to put this one in the YouTube comments, so if you want another league, a $20 league, there is a link to a new league there in the comments below. Today's show, we are leading up to the first snake head-to-head mock draft show, which is coming on tomorrow's program. So what we're doing in today's show is discussing punting and the strategy of punting for fantasy basketball leagues. Michael Bolton, he is a punting expert, but he still wants to hear about it. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. So punting. What is punting? You have heard the term punting in fantasy basketball before, but what is it? Well, that the definition here is really important uh, from my point of view, and when you're hearing me talk about punting, to understand what it means. Punting means ignoring one or more category in a category league. Now, I'll get this out of the way now. If you play in a points league, punting has absolutely zero application to your leagues. So, Go and do something else. Mute this video. Let it play out. Let the podcast keep playing just so I get the the download numbers. But it actually has nothing to do with points leagues. You cannot punt unless you're trying to punt wins. You cannot punt in a points league. So it is not applicable. So in a points league, you hear the word punt. It does not mean anything for you. What punting means is you are ignoring one or more category, whether that's in a head-to-head league or a roto league. And we'll talk about the differences there in a second. So it means that you are looking at your standard nine categories, points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and turnovers. And you are ignoring one of those categories when you are building your team, when you are drafting, when you are making free agent acquisitions, when you are trading, all of those things, you are not caring about a category. Now, whether that's points, whether that's points and assists, it doesn't matter what it is. For the general concept of punting, you are ignoring a category. You are not, and I cannot stress this enough, you are not trying to make that category worse. The idea of punting is not to make, if you are punting free throw percentage, your idea is not accumulating every bad free throw percentage shooter so that you can have the worst free throw percentage in the league. That is, That has absolutely zero benefit. 
You might be the worst free throw percentage team in the league. You might be the eighth best free throw percentage team in the league. But your aim is not to make that category worse. That is not what you're trying to do. Think positively, guys. What you're trying to do is make the other eight or seven categories better. And the way you're doing that is by instead of uh, committing resources to making nine categories good, you're making you're committing those resources, you're funneling your resources, draft picks, trade assets, all that sort of stuff into seven categories, into eight categories. So you're narrowing your focus. So you're ignoring a free, the free throw percentage category. I'm just going to keep referring to free throw percentage. Here. You're ignoring that category. So if someone comes up who feels your need to get assists, to get steals, to hit threes, but they shoot 80% from the line, you don't look at that player and go, can't draft him, I'm punting free throws, and he's a good free throw shooter. That is not how it works. You are literally just ignoring that category. He could be a, he could be Tyler Hero and be a 100% free throw shooter, but if he gives you enough points or threes or helps in assists, not that Hero is going to do that necessarily, but if he does all those things, then you know what? He still helps your team. So it is not about being bad in a category. It is a, a byproduct is often that you are bad in that category that you are, you are punting, but you are looking to become better in the other categories. That is, that is what punting is. That is as simple an explanation. As, and a good way of looking at it is say you're in a nine-category league and you're punting a category. What you then look at is you are now in an eight-category league or your team is an eight-category team. You are punting two categories. You are now in a seven-category league. You punt three categories, you are in a six-category league. That is what it is. If you get a win in one of your punted categories, well... A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. You just take it. It's a bonus. Oh, well, you weren't planning on that, but you got that win anyway. You are just looking to make those other categories better. That is all it is. It is, and I, can, I cannot stress it enough, you are not making a category worse. That is not your aim. And if that is your aim, you will lose guaranteed. You are not making it worse. So the next point, what about punting in head-to-head -head leagues versus punting in roto leagues? I believe that in a head-to-head -head league, punting is, I won't say it's necessary, but it is very bloody good at putting you in a strong position to win especially when you head into the head-to-head -head playoffs where you need to win each contest five to four. If you can divert your resources into five categories and become super strong in those ones, or if it's six categories or whatever, that is a path for you winning rather than being pissingly, middingly, middling, you know, average in every category and having ups and downs. If you can just come step on your opponent's throat in five categories and win them, you win. It doesn't matter if you win 9-0. It doesn't matter if you win 5-4. You win. And even during the regular season, generally, if you can win you know, 54%, 55% of your categories, which is a 5-4 victory every week, you will make the playoffs in general. Now, you'll get a couple of bonus ones in there. So generally, anything of 55 and over as a win percentage will make the playoffs, unless you've got a ridiculously tight, you know, two teams qualify out of 12 teams. That makes it harder. And punting becomes a lot more harder to, to pull off. You need to be very, very strong at that because if you're giving away three or four categories a week, it is really tough to get to that level. But in a league where it's six playoff teams or four playoff teams, getting that 55% win percentage or even 52% in a six-team playoff situation will get you there and give you a strong situation. So on Basketball Monster, when I'm looking at projected standings in a head-to-head -head league, I don't actually care if I come in third or second, if I'm punting a category, how do I match up against those top teams? If I got projected 5-4 or 6-3 wins, then that is exactly what I am looking for.
I do have to take a, a quick break to tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks that you guys can uh, can get. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your own personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem. I highly recommend it. It is called Blinkist. Everybody's in a time crunch. I'm in a time crunch. You're in a time crunch. So getting information, which can be obviously really useful in your life, put into really digestible, small 15-minute portions is exactly what Blinkist does. It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser, taking the best key takeaway points, the need to know information from thousands of non-fiction books and brings them down into 15-minute digestible portions. So instead of reading a 400-page book, you get the key things that you need to know in just 15 minutes. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books and Blinkist makes it easier for you to get that same amount of information in a fraction of the time. I like Blinkist because you can listen to it when you're just walking around uh, in a house doing your housework, much like a podcast. Don't stop listening to this podcast, of course, but you can listen to Blinkist, get those uh, digestible portions of the um, of the book. It's just 15 minutes to get a whole book's worth of knowledge into your head when you're driving, when you're traveling on a plane. Hey, you can knock out you know, on, on a plane flight 10, 10 nonfiction books in the Blinkist form. They've got things like the seven habits of highly effective people, how to win friends and influence people, the four hour work week, things that can help improve your business life and your productivity and your personal development. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want and for all for one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash locked on. All right, let's uh, move on to the next point, the advantages in, uh, in punting. Now, I think I've gone through a few of these already, but what it does is it gives you that advantage of being able to concentrate your numbers. Again, you are just trying to fill up the categories that you're strong in. You're trying to give yourself an advantage in those categories. So if even if someone else should go against you strongly, you have got an added advantage. If you are at a games disadvantage during the week, you should have enough of a buffer in those categories to still at least be competitive or win those categories outright instead of smacking them in those areas you get comfortable wins and people will say often hey in head-to-head it doesn't matter if you win by one rebound if you win by a hundred rebound and that is true but when you win by one rebound and your team is set up to win by one rebound that is as luck um luck influenced as anything that is you know the bounce of a ball a buzzer running out before the guy grabs the board that is the difference between winning a category if you're winning by 100 you can't have 100 different lucky breaks go against you to cause you to uh, lose that category so it is insurance in those sort of situations injuries games played disadvantages statistical variance all things which we should well be aware of in playing fantasy basketball disadvantages Actually, I didn't even talk about Rota. I'm going to get back to that in a second. Sorry, going out of order. Disadvantages to it, I don't really see any, but I will talk about the disadvantages that people bring up. They say it limits you in trades, okay? Because you're only wanting these certain people. But as I said, that is when you have that idea that punting means that you are looking for bad players. So 
you'll often hear this, oh, it means you can't trade for someone. You can't trade someone. You trade for someone who's an 80% free throw shooter if you're punting free throws. Yes, I can. Why can't I? If my free throw percentage overall goes from 70 to 72%, oh, well, what does it do? It makes me marginally better in that category. But what I did is got the guy who then gave me eight assists or hit me three threes a game and boosted me in those other areas that I need. Oh, but you, then if a hot waiver wire comes along and he's a high percentage free throw guy, Tyler Hero will bring him up again. You're not going to be out him. Bullshit. I'll add him. I'll trade him if I need to, but I'll add him for those other numbers. I don't see those as being actual disadvantages. It does give you less pivot room if you do want to change strategy, but that can be done through through drafts, uh, through trades. So the other thing people look at is go, well, if your main guy who's your punt anchor you know, go gets injured, then your team is screwed. Well, I'll say if your main guy gets injured in any build, your team is screwed because you're losing a ton of stats there. But again, because I believe the way that setting up a punt situation goes is you've got that insurance, you've got that buffer by being super strong in these categories that if one of these guys goes down, you can fill it out with specialists. Hey, my big rebound guy went down. Shit, Andre Drummond went down. That's really hard to recover from. I'll get Ed Davis because he'll give me 10 rebounds off the bench. I'll grab someone to fill in those specific categories instead of in a balanced type format. Who's my nine category contributor or eight category contributor off the waiver wire? Those guys literally do not exist. So that I think that actually becomes a little bit easier to deal with. Other people have other options. Now, I'm not saying you can't win in a head-to-head league with a balanced approach because you can. People do it all the time. But you know, it's a Matt Smith, yeah, my colleague at Basketball Monster, he is famously against punting. But even Matt, and Matt, if you're listening to this, you can re- reply to a tweet on this, Matt punts turnovers, and by punting them, he'll say, I don't punt them. You do punt them because he doesn't care about turnovers. He doesn't factor that in. If he's good in turnovers, oh, oh well, that's great. If he's bad, it doesn't matter. It's, again, diverting resources to those other categories. Now, back to my head-to-head versus roto debate. In a roto league, it I've always been of the mindset that in a standard rotisserie league, punting is quite hard to pull off. But there are a few caveats to that, and I've seen it more now. Any league that you are in that is super competitive, where everybody knows their shit and they're going to be active for the whole season, punting can actually work in Roto. It's a little bit harder to pull off. And I think nearly nearly in every situation, in a punt, if you punt in Roto, you can be a top four team. Getting to that top one is quite difficult because often you need 10 points in all categories, you know, 77 to 80 points in an eight-cat Roto format. You need those numbers to get a win. But if your league is hyper-competitive, that win threshold, the bar, actually comes down a little bit. So you may not need that 80 points at 77. It might be 72 that you need. And getting a punt in there, which brings you down from a you know, nine in one category down to a two, but then adds two onto all of the other categories, that might actually get you to that area. The other thing is, in a roto league, the more teams you have, punting becomes more viable. You go anything above 12 teams, punting becomes more viable. More categories. Anything above 10 categories, punting becomes more viable because this becomes literally impossible to have strong contributions across 12, 13 categories. The same goes for head-to-head. The more teams, the harder you punt. The more categories, the harder you punt. If you are in an eight-team league with six categories, punting is, even in a head-to-head league, probably not the way to go because you just have, each category then goes from being worth 7% of the overall value to being worth 15%. And it does become a lot harder in that situation with fewer teams and fewer categories. So your general rule of thumb is, 
More teams, punt. More categories, punt. More competitive, punt. They are the ways to get that advantage. It's all about creating value and creating advantages for your team during the draft to amass the best team possible that is going to get you to a fantasy championship. Let's look at the, the next uh, situation. You know, one versus a multi-cat punt. So obviously that just means you can go and punt one category. I am punting assists. Or you can go in and say, I'm punting assists and free throw percentage and threes. And I'm going to focus on points, rebounds, steals, blocks, um, and uh, free throw percentage or field goal percentage, whichever one is uh, that I forgot to say. And you go, you can go harder and punt four categories or punt three categories. It can be harder to pull off. There's less margin for error in terms of getting it right, but it can be more successful. Uh, I'm normally a two-cat to three-cat guy. I have done four before. I've done one before. Two to three is about the right point. I don't necessarily predetermine that before a draft. I will look to see how things are going and see which guys have gone early and late and how my team looks using that draft tracker over on Basketball Monster as well. So having an idea... Of, of where those uh, of how your team is looking and whether it's actually worth chasing this category or just pissing it off completely and building up the rest of your team is an important thing to do as the draft is kicking along. You know, I said here, you know, watching the ranks of players because players' rankings can change pretty aggressively when you're punting. So what I mean by that is you go onto Basketball Monster and you go into the projections and you can click the punt rankings and you can you know, go and click the punt free throw percentage as as an option to see how these guys' ranks change. And you'll see Ben Simmons then becomes like the 11th best player. Gobert becomes 10th. Andre Drummond becomes 7th. You get Zion becoming 17th. And Capella at 21. It, it boosts all of these poor free throw percentage guys up really high. But if you have pick 11, that doesn't, or if you've got pick seven, that doesn't mean that you're picking Andre Drummond there. And then you're not backing it up with Simmons there because you're taking all the value away. The idea of punting is to increase that value, not taking them at their new improved value for your squad. So getting Simmons in the third round when he's a potential first round player in a punt free throw percentage build, that's called killing it because you've then also got a first-round guy that you took with your first pick, and a second-round guy who hopefully has pushed into first-round value. And theoretically, you could have three first-round players on your team in a punt free-throw percentage build. So look at the ranks, look at the ADPs. It's not about looking at that new adjusted rank and drafting there. And I cannot, I've said this so many times, if you have a rankings list and draft off it, you will lose. You'll lose. It's about nuance. It's about finding that difference between ADP and draft spot and accumulating that value. And that goes for punting or non-punting. The other one I've got mentioned here is looking at auction drafts versus snake. It is a lot easier to punt in an auction league. You have to know how an auction league works, of course. But because you have access to every player, your pricing of these guys will change considerably. So you'll be able to acquire those guys, develop a very high value roster, and get see where that big discrepancy lies in your multi or single cat punt. In a snake draft, you're sort of at the vagaries of where that where that player falls in the pick uh, hierarchy. So sometimes you might miss that guy because someone else grabs him ahead of him. But you can still make it work in an auction, though it is wor worth it. And punting turnovers, as I said, I always punt turnovers. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be bad at turnovers. It means that I'm disregarding them when I'm looking at building my team up. I'm uh, yeah, Because if you have a team that's low in assists, your turnovers will naturally be good. But if you turn, if you don't have turnovers on, 
uh, or if you have turnovers on as a punt category, what it does is it really inflates the value of those low turnover players, so much so that you get guys coming projected out like Mitchell Robinson as the 13th best player, and that is not an accurate representation of his value. Robert Covington is number 22, not an accurate representation of their value. Otto Porter at 24, Tom Bryant, the tank, at 31. These are not the picks that... These are not... It's not representative of their value. Russell Westbrook at 52. Obviously nonsense to have him down at that position. So D'Angelo Russell at 62. That is why I'm consistently referencing non-turnover ranks. Again, and if you are at a game's disadvantage during the week, guess which category you actually end up... You know, you end up winning. If you have high turnovers and then you play fewer games, then your turnovers get lower and you actually end up winning that category. Whereas if you're in a situation where you've already punted turnovers and then you're at a category disadvantage, well, your other numbers fall off a bit as well and you're already going to win turnovers. So I don't don't see the benefit of uh, of really focusing in on your turnovers. Again, if you punt assists, if you get low on assists, your turnovers will rise and you'll be strong. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. All right, punt builds. This is something that people always want to hear about. You know, how do I punt these uh, these categories? Which players get value? Punt points is an interesting is an interesting build. What we're looking at is disregarding the points category. Now it's tough early on in a draft because you have all of these players, all of the high scoring players. Nearly all of them reside in the top fifty and the top you know, ten to fifteen guys. They're all high point scoring players. So it is. It is hard to, to look at these guys and and see the value in them from a punt points perspective. But remember, you know, someone like Harden and Curry, who you know could be 30 point per game guys, Giannis, close to that, they're not really it's not worth taking away a player's best category if you end up with those guys. But say you end up with Nikola Jokic in the first round. Say you end up with someone like uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler to a degree, you end up with maybe um, uh, trying to see who else is. They're all high scoring players, but yeah, you know, an, an ideal option there is if you do end up with Nikola Jokic, who could be a twenty point per game guy, but maybe twenty instead of twenty five or twenty six. You're building around that. It's an ideal start for a punt points format. As soon as you grab someone like a Draymond Green in round three or, or round four, he is one of the lowest scoring guys, I think, if not the lowest scoring projected player inside the top 50. It's maybe him or Mitchell Robinson. And you will see that if you don't grab those points early, it can be really hard. So you turn yourself into a punt points team. It is really important, though, that you know how to build that up. In terms of players who gain the most value in a uh, in a punt points setting, Draymond is one of those guys, and he is always the uh, he's always the guy that we look at as the major um, uh, the bellwether or, or the major example of, uh, of of punting points in a fantasy league. But there are other guys who gain significant value throughout the draft as well. So you're looking at you know, someone like um, yeah, Patrick Beverly he is a big riser in this build later on in drafts. Mitch Robinson I referenced early. Jakob Pertl and Kyle Anderson late. There's a lot of late players who are low scorers who provide value in other areas who get boosts in this area. Marcus Smart, Larry Nance, Lonzo Ball, The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, uh, Draymond becomes like a second round type player. McCall Bridges of the Phoenix Suns, he gets a big boost. JaVale McGee, Thomas Satoransky, Ravishing Rick Rubio, DeJounte Murray. These are all guys who get pretty significant bumps in their overall value in a... Um, 
in a punt threes, oh, sorry, a punt points setting. If we're looking at punt threes, it's a ton of big men that get that boost. Now, with punt points, points can be acquired by big men, by small men, all that sort of stuff. Punt threes, in general, it comes from point guards and, and wings. So when you do go to punt the threes category, you need to make sure you're getting the other small categories. And by small categories, I mean threes. These are the small categories. Threes, assists, steals, and free throw percentage. Steals is a little bit of an iffy one. Look, they're your small categories, your big categories, rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage, and naturally turnovers are pretty low from a big man perspective as well. So when you're punting a small category, you need to make sure that you're getting those other small categories. So you're punting threes, but that means you still need to make sure where am I getting my free throw percentage? Where am I getting my assists? Where am I getting my steals? You might see someone who helps you in those areas you know, drop off a, a ton. So you look at someone like a Mike Conley who could drop pretty significantly in a in a punt threes or a Devin Booker in a punt threes. But he provides good assists. He provides strong uh, points in, in that area. He provides great free throw percentage. So if Booker, who then projects as like a top 15 guy in a regular build, but outside the top 25 in a punt threes build, would you let him slide down to number three, even though he can be a big influencer in points, in assists, and in free throw percentage as well. Early on in those snake drafts, drafting those players who are the ante of your punt is often pretty important. And then the value massively opens up at the end of draft. So guys who get big boosts in a punt three situation, it's the big men, Gobert, Capella, Benny Simmons, uh, Mitchie Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. DeAndre Ayton, even Anthony Davis, who does hit some threes, he gets a boost because such his other values are so big. Drummo, Bam Bam Adebayo, LaMarcus, Derek Favors, DeMar DeRozan as a guard gets a boost in this area. Jonas Valanciunas, Steve Adams, Giannis Antetokounmpo, another one who gets a real boost in a punt threes situation. And again, even if you did punt threes in the early rounds, finding threes off the waiver wire is the easiest category to acquire there so you can still get some value. If you're punting assist, which I believe is a, uh, a build that has a lot of success this year with assist being really, really focused in those early rounds and massive point guard runs occurring through round two through six. And then all you're left with is really Rubio, uh, maybe Lonzo and, and Jeff Teague later on in the draft. Then it does become, you know, well, maybe if I just disregard that category, everybody else fight over those guys and I'll get my bigs, I'll get my wings, I'll get my steals from other areas as well. You know, looking at that can be quite important and punt assists often will tie in with punt threes. So you'll see the same names, Aiton, Robinson, Drummond, uh, Porzingis, Porzingis, Triple J, JaVale McGee, Clint Capella, Bob Cub, Whiteside, Miles Turner, the Baptist, Anthony Davis even, getting a boost in a punt assist situation. Steals is an interesting one. Like threes, you can get them late. In fact, there's a ton of steel guys available late, whether that's Kelly Oubre or McCall Bridges from the Suns, Ravishing Rick Rubio. Also from Phoenix is available late. Marcus Smart can help you. Jinglin Joe Ingles. There are a ton of steel guys late. So if you don't get the Rob Covingtons or Otto Porters early, which again, their value is really influenced by that steals category. Maybe they're a little bit overvalued in that sense. You can get it later on. Now, once you get into the 130s, finding steals is harder. But in that 80 to 120 type range, there's a lot of steals guys there as well. Steals is also the category that if someone goes from 1.6 to 1.2, 40 spots get lobbed off their rankings pretty quickly. So that is something to pay attention to. It can be a wild cause. And it's one of the biggest causes of, say, someone like Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! 
of why his value dropped off so much last season because his steals, they just died in the ass and he was nowhere near where he'd been previously. So if we're looking for guys who get a boost in the uh, in the punt steals, Valanchunas, Aldridge is a key one, LaMarcus Aldridge, the tank, Tom Bryant, Kyle Anthony Towns, great if you get him early. This is his worst category. Joel Embiid as well, putrid in steals. So he gets a boost. Uh, Kevin Love, Toby Harris, really bad in the defensive numbers. Uh, JJ Redick, Baptist John Collins, we know of his putrid steal numbers last season. Brookie Lopez, Gobert, the Italian cock, uh, Dino Gallinari. Hands off my cock! Devin Booker's really bad at steals. Larry Markkinen's really bad at steals. So these guys all get boosts. In fact, in a punt steals build, Booker looks like he could be a top 10 type of guy. That's just how bad he is in that category. If we look at the, the remaining options here, we're looking at punting blocks, a pretty common one. Blocks is uh, something that in that third to fifth round, a ton of big men go off the board. And if you don't get your hands on a couple there, it's going to be hard to compete. Plus the big name guys, Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert, Mitch Robinson, they are your high volume block guys. And without having one of those guys, it can be relatively hard to compete in that category. So uh, this is a situation, if you are punting blocks, it boosts the value of guards. Curry, Trey Young, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, Harden, Kawhi, D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie, Ravishing Rick, Chrissy Milton. They get all significant boosts. But if you're just drafting guard, 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 where are your rebounds? Where is your field goal percentage? You need to get these guys. So looking at some other big men who maybe aren't as a high a volume shot blockers, Kevin Love is a guy. It could hurt your field goal percentage, but it gets those rebounds up there as well. Getting some big guys who aren't high shot blockers, Blake Griffin, another one of these guys who can help you in those big men categories, even though their rank will potentially drop in some of these situations, you still need to be able to get these numbers. DeMontis Sabonis, field goal percentage, rebounds, bang, they are locked in. So he is a great value situation player in there in this type of view. But even guys whose value might decrease. And Nikola Vucevic, he loses a little bit of value in a pump blocks format, but he still gives you 20 and 12 with high field goal percentage and good free throw percentage. Don't worry that he blocks shots. He helps you in those other areas and you need to fill centers, especially if you're playing in a two center league. Punt field goal percentage is one that I really, really like. It helps insulate you against cold streaks from guys during the week. It helps you get a lot of high-volume scorers, high-assist guys. I really do like high uh, punt field goal percentage. It bumps the shit out of Terry Rozier. Jimmy Harden, Steph, Paul George, Lillard, all these sort of regular names. Kevin Love, Chris Paul, even uh, Kyle Lowry, D'Angelo Russell, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic in particular really, really helps their value in this sort of a situation. And punt free throws, you know the names. Gobert, Benny Simmons, uh, Steve Adams, Andre Drummond, LeBron James. LeBron James. Whiteside. Russell Westbrook, Yanni Antetokounmpo, Zion Williamson, Clint Capella, lots of different names that get a boost. And this is a, a common thing that uh, Kyle McEwen uses in his head-to-head leagues. He punts both of the percentages. Now, that might seem something that is counterintuitive. Well, big men do this and small men do this. But what he looks at is, I just want to maximize my counting stats, whether that's bigs or smalls. I don't worry if they're inefficient. I don't worry if they're poor free throws because my poor free throw guys will get me rebounds and blocks. And my poor field goal guys will get me threes and assists and steals and help me there. So it makes Russell Westbrook back into a first rounder. It makes Luka Doncic much higher. Drummo, Lonzo, LeBron, D'Angelo. These guys all get boosts. Significant, actual huge boosts. Rogier, 
Benny Simmons, Darren Fox, Andy Wiggins. Wiggins gets a huge you know, top 100 type of boost in a punt percentages type of build. So it's something you can experiment in. And I do recommend, if you are looking at punting this season, go and do these punt builds in mock drafts and see how it works out. Make sure you're not just, oh, I'm punting blocks, and then you end up with seven guards in your first seven picks because then you have screwed it. Go in and make sure you get some of those big men. Find the right big men that fit what you want to do and that you can build out. Maybe you're doing a single punt. Maybe you're doing a double punt. But practicing with it and trying to build that team as strongly as you can. So what we're looking at here is players now in the first round who are the usual first round guys. What categories do they lend themselves towards in terms of punting? Jim Harden's an obvious one. He is a punt field goal percentage guy. Uh, I didn't mention punt rebounds. It's not an easy category to punt, and you probably shouldn't be looking at it. Uh, I think field goal percentage with Harden is the way to go. Anthony Davis, punt threes, punt assists. They're his two worst categories. Um, you're looking at Carl Anthony Towns. He is a punt steals player. So, uh, yeah, someone you should be looking at... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, they're uh, Townsy to get those uh, get those punt steals going. I don't know why uh, my list is looking all weird. Yeah, there we go. Towns, yeah, punt steals is uh, something we should be looking at. Steph Curry, he is a punt blocks player. He can be a punt field goal percentage guy as well. His efficiency really dropped off last season. Giannis, punt threes, punt free throw percentage. That's the sort of build you're looking at there with him. And Nikola Jokic, as I mentioned earlier, a punt points guy, punt blocks. He could be punt threes as well. There are a few different directions you could go, even punt free throw percentage. Even though he is a strong free throw percentage guy, getting him to get rebounds, to get assists, or get assists mainly from a, in a punt free throw build can be hard. Jokic can actually be a decent start to that type of uh, situation. The rest of the first round or projected first round guys with Lillard, we're looking at punt blocks, potentially punt steals, but definitely punt field goal percentage. Joel Embiid, you're looking at punt steals and punt threes, even punt assists come in as an option for Embiid. Kyrie Irving, of course, it's it's blocks as his major one. He's really strong in field goal percentage, but he's not strong in a Giannis Antetokounmpo sense or a Carl Anthony Towns strength, uh, sense. So you can still punt field goal, but as a point guard, he does provide pretty decent value in that area. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> not a high blocks guy, not a high assist guy. So you can go either of those directions there with Kawhi. And again, I'll stress this again. I do not see him sitting out 22 games this season. I think 70 games is a more realistic expectation for Kawhi this year. Paul George, we're looking at punt blocks. Definitely punt field goal percentage for Paul George as well. Assist potentially also. And LeBron, the easy one, is punt free throw for him. It's almost a definite for him in that punt free throws. Punt blocks, punt steals, perhaps punt threes. They're all other softer options for LeBron. But punt free throw percentage is the one you're really looking at. Now, the last thing before we get out of here, I did an article over on Basketball Monster, my annual one-man mock draft, where I look at all 12 teams. I take over every team. I make every draft pick, and I try to create coherent teams for those single punts, double, triple punts, balance type teams, and see how it all works out drafting against myself. So what I wanted to share with you here is how the team that projected to be the best in that draft looked. They were the team with the number three overall pick. They took Curry at pick number three, but they also, importantly to note, ended up with a strong punt team, massively strong in terms of punting assists, even though I took Curry, and punting steals as well. It wasn't necessarily the way I went into it with Curry, but how the other picks panned out, that is how my team looked. So I made pivots to make them strong in those other areas. And they came out with the best um, projection out of all of the um, 
out of all of the teams that I drafted for. So this is how the squad looks. I've got Curry as my first pick. You got go with Aiton, Don Mitchell, Kristaps Porzingis. I probably should have played this one. He's Don. He's good. Budrick Heald, Wendell Carter, Kelly Oubre, Jeremy Lamb, Dwight Powell, Cody Zeller, Serge Ibaka, JJ Redick, and Ivica Zubats. Now, I didn't go with many upside guys on this spot. Maybe Zubats is that guy at the end of the drafting, depending on how they lose him and Montrez Harrell the table in, uh, in LA with the Clippers. Because this team was looking so strong in terms of the projections, I went, I just need to really lock this down and become that dominant that even if I'm not streaming, I can still win majority of these weeks. So what this does, it gives me a super strong yeah, base for points. This team is averaging about 18 points per game. A lot of threes, or curries there. Yeah, decently strong rebounds, a lot of blocks, almost um, a, a block per game for this overall squad. Great field goal percentage at almost 48 or 49%. Great free throws at 82% as well. And despite me, again, punting turnovers, my turnovers, really strong. Because in the end, my assists were low. The highest assist guy I've got is Curry with six. Now, Curry's six assists are good. That's also his fourth highest uh, contribution category in fantasy. So it's not his best, it's not his second, or his third. It's his fourth best category. So I felt okay with pissing that off. He's good at points, his free throws, and his threes. That is where, where Curry's value comes from, and that is what I utilized for him in terms of doing this draft. So that is how my team looked in uh, in that draft. Go and check out the whole article over on Basketball Monster where I draft for all teams. You know, look at some flyers that I picked, where I picked certain guys, how I built those squads as well. I hope that answers any questions you did have about punting. Remember, make your other categories better, not making one category worse. Points leagues, do not pay attention to it. Roto, the deeper, the more teams, the more competitive. Punting becomes more viable. In head-to-head, I think it's a pretty strong option regardless, unless your league gets really shallow. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. On YouTube, give me a sub. Uh, hit the like button, leave a comment down below and check the comments of this video if you want to join the league as well. Follow the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net and we're starting our Locked On NHL Network as well in the coming days. So lots of interesting hockey podcasts coming out for you guys. Also, today's show brought to you by Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash Locked On. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Kristaps Porzingis.